Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Greenwich, Connecticut with my new friend Stasha Healy, the author of Secret Connecticut by Reedy Press. Stasha spent her teenage years in Greenwich, moved away for college, and then came back to start a family. In this episode, Stasha and I talk about the history of Putnam College, exploring the Bruce Museum, and discovering local artists along the Connecticut Art Trail. You about these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Greenwich. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Sasha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right on. So today we're talking about Greenwich, Connecticut, and it's a city that I grew up learning about, like through WWE wrestling, you know, <laughs> I used to watch that growing up and they would always talk about Greenwich, Connecticut. That was like the, the headquarters. And it always threw me off because the W is silent. Yes. So green, it's not green, Witch, although some people will beg to differ that, that in originally it was, but it's uh, named after Greenwich, England. Oh, okay. Okay. So what's your connection to the city? It's actually a town. Um, it's 61,000. So technically it's a town. And I lived in Greenwich as a middle schooler and went to high school also in Connecticut. Not far. I went to boarding school, but my family lived in Greenwich for years and years and years. And then after I graduated college, I moved to New York City, which is only 35 miles from Greenwich, Connecticut. It's a commuter community. And I went to my 20th high school reunion and I remet the man who took me to the ninth grade prom and we married and I'm back in Greenwich ever since. Oh, wow. Like It's amazing when it goes full circle like that. That's so cool. Yes. And it's a great place to raise kids. So we wanted to have children and we couldn't think of a better place. Oh, I love it. Right. On. So, okay. So you, you spent you know, a lot of your years of your life there in Greenwich. Uh, if you had to describe like the people or the city in just one or two words, how would you do that? It's a very elegant town. It's very well managed, well manicured. There's um, historic preservation. So there's some beautiful, charming old homes. The The town was, was founded in 1646. So it has this very, very long history. And a lot of people who take very good care of their their homes and there are a lot of ordinances. The representative town committee is a, a local ordinance, and there's a lot of governance around. There are a lot of rules that that some homeowners find onerous, but as a general rule, it makes Greenwich very beautiful. And there there are town employees who who plant seasonally in all the, the public roundabouts and and streets, and it's just a, a beautiful place to live. That sounds very charming. I, I, coming from California, where I used to live, I mean, nothing had been around uh, except for some of the Pueblos for that many years. And so it's one of those things I think a lot of Americans forget that we've been around for you know almost 400 years. People have been here. 
You know, and so it's amazing that a city in the U.S. has been around since uh, 1646. Yes, and the original house still exists. Oh, really? Yes, it's privately owned, but the the owners do open it once a year to the the general public through the Greenwich Historical Society to to be able to see it and understand the nature of the founding. And what's really interesting is one of the founders of Greenwich was a woman. In 1646, she was she listed on the proclamation of the land ownership. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, cuz uh, we kind of forget, you know, now in today's age where everybody's equal as far as that goes, that back then they were not treated that way, you know. And so uh, that's really awesome that she was able to make that kind of mark on the on the city by having her name there. Yes, it, the whole town has has just such interesting history. There, there's another historic building where it, General Israel Putnam, who was involved in the American Revolution, there's a Putnam Cottage where you can go see today some of his uniforms and hear the story about how he he rode down the hill when he knew that the British were coming. You know, just like Paul Revere in in Boston. So there's a lot of of history. That is well preserved. The Grand Historical Society Society does a wonderful job. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so when people are planning their trip to Greenwich, what's the weather like throughout the year? I understand, obviously, it's it's in Connecticut, so it's in the northern part of the U.S., so probably a little chilly in the winter. But what's the weather like throughout the year? And if somebody's planning their trip, when should they plan their trip around what season? It depends on what you're interested in. I would recommend summer, though, because we have a lot of parks and beaches. They are private beaches for for Greenwich residents, but there are ways to get tickets. And so I I would say come in the summer. And also there's polo, um, high goal polo, which is just such a treat to watch. It's on somebody's private polo field. Um, Peter Brandt has been um, hosting polo matches at his beautiful polo club in backcountry Greenwich. So there, there are just a lot of things to do outside in the summer. That sounds really cool. Now I know also like with being there in the, the kind of like the new England area, I would imagine like the, the falls are also just really vibrant and colorful as well. Yes. And we, we do have, have a lot of um, nature reserves and parks and forests that, that you can go walking in and they're obviously free to go. And that is a, a lovely thing to do as well. If somebody's planning on coming there, is there a name of one or two that you'd recommend? So there's a Pomerantz Park, which is in central Greenwich, and it has a very interesting history as well as being a a nice place to walk around. So Ernest Thompson Seton used to live there, and he is the the founder of the Boy Scouts of America. And so the Boy Scouts actually began in in those woods. So it's very interesting to see the plaques and to see the ruins of of his home and to, to learn about that history as while you're taking a beautiful walk. Oh, that's really cool. Are there certain like festivals or other annual events that happen throughout the year that maybe people want to plan the trip around? Yes, there are a number. So over Christmas time, there's a holiday stroll, which is really fun. There is Greenwich Avenue is a main shopping district with national known stores like Saks Fifth Avenue, but also local stores. And there's a holiday stroll, meaning that there are carolers, there are refreshments in different stores, and there's also Art to the Avenue, again, promoting Greenwich Avenue and the businesses where um, artists, we have a, a really wonderful artistic community here in Greenwich, and the stores support them by showcasing, each store has has a different artist that they showcase, and they have receptions, so people can walk up and down Greenwich Avenue and look at the art and 
have a cocktail and just have a, a nice time. That's in the spring. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's wonderful when a community kind of rallies around like the local artists and local small business owners to support each other and promote each other that way. Yes. There are also sidewalk sales in July, early July. So if you're into shopping, that's a, a good way to be able to afford some of our sometimes very high-priced merchandise. <laughs> well, if people are planning the, their trip to Greenwich, like you said, they, it's not that far from New York. Would they fly into New York or is there a local airport nearby that you'd recommend? You can absolutely fly into LaGuardia or Kennedy. Um, and even Newark, there's the air train that can um, connect to Amtrak. And there's a an Amtrak station in Stamford, which is the next town up from Greenwich. So that's a possibility. But the airport that's the closest is codenamed HPN. It's the Westchester County Airport. So Westchester County is a another suburban community of New York City. And it's right over the line in Greenwich. So it's literally minutes to Greenwich from Westchester Airport. Oh, fantastic. And it seems like it might be a little bit smaller of an airport. Do most of the airlines fly in there? Not all of them. I mean, JetBlue and American, I, I haven't looked recently for the list, but definitely major airlines do, do fly in there. Okay, good. So say we fly into Westchester and uh, we want to get into town. Do we rent a car? Is there public transportation? Like, How do we get from the airport to the town? You can rent a, a car at the airport. And there, there are also ride shares. So those are always possibilities. It is a suburban community. So having a car gives you the most flexibility, but it certainly is possible. Let's say you're coming that you are ready or are in New York City. So you can take a, the commuter train. It's called Metro North. You can take a commuter train in less than an hour from Grand Central Station and be dropped off right in the middle of Greenwich. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And then so... Say we do take the train or we take a ride share from the airport because I, I try to avoid rental cars if, if I can. While we're there in town, is there a need for a car? Is it, is it pretty small and walkable or uh, how do we get around? It depends on what you want to do. If you wanted to go see Polo and if you wanted to go to the beach, well, you can go to Island Beach with without a car. But if you wanted to go to Todd's Point, which is not on an island, but it's on a promontory, that that you would need transportation in some way or another, whether it's a taxi. There is Greenwich Taxi, which is located at the train station. So there are different different ways to get around. But if you wanted to stay just in central Greenwich, there would be enough to keep you occupied for a couple of days. Okay. That's that's good. As far as like where to stay, is there a lot of the major brand names or is it more boutique hotels or like Airbnb? Like what type of accommodations do we look at booking when we're staying there? There is a, a range. There is a Hyatt in Greenwich on the, in Riverside, which is a part of Greenwich. So Greenwich has, has a, a number of different neighborhoods. There's Greenwich, Old Greenwich, Coscob, Riverside, Byram. There are lots of different neighborhoods within Greenwich. And so, so there's the Hyatt, which is uh, in Greverside. There's also the J House in Riverside, which is more modern and contemporary feeling. There's a nice outdoor area with a bar inside is, is just very modern looking. And there's the Delamar Hotel, which is in central Greenwich. So if you wanted to just come off the train and park yourself at a hotel and be in walking distance to a lot of things that you might want to do, that's the place to stay. There's also a bed and breakfast called the Stanton House Inn, which is in walking distance to Central Greenwich. It is in Central Greenwich, but it's not. It's a few blocks from the main shopping street. Oh, perfect. Are there any neighborhoods or any parts of town that maybe we want to we avoid? 
No, no. Greenwich is one of the safest communities in the United States. It keeps being voted that. It's a very wealthy community and we have a wonderful police force and we have citizens who who follow the laws as uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> as much as they can. Oh, good, good. Um, now, while we're there in, in Greenwich for, say, we're there for a few days, what are some of the things that we should plan on doing while we're there? There's the Bruce Museum, which is undergoing a big renovation right now. And it's twofold. It's an art museum and it's also a natural history museum. So that was involved in the founding of, of this museum about 75 years ago. They have wonderful collections of Native American um, memorabilia and geodes, things that that you would find at the the Museum of Natural History, but on a much smaller scale. But they also have wonderful exhibits of art from major artists. There was a Toulouse-Lautrec exhibit not so long ago, for example. Okay, nice. Now, from what I've read, that there seems like there's a lot of different museums there. uh, And it seems like there's a... There's something that gives you a pass where you can basically hit a bunch of different museums for, for one price? Yes, that's the Connecticut Art Trail, which is a big secret to a lot of people. But it's really wonderful. For I think it's it was $25. I think it went up to $30. But you get access to something like 20, 30 different museums. And you have to use it within a year. But still, you think of each museum is $10, $15, sometimes $20 each to go to just to get this pass really gives you the opportunity and the the impetus and the knowledge of, of all these wonderful places within the state. So there are a few within Greenwich that do accept the pass. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I generally try to buy one of those passes at the different cities we go to, because sometimes you learn about something you didn't even know existed uh, there in the local area. So, and, and I just love being frugal, you know, so <laughs> whenever I can save some money, uh, I'm all about it. You know? Right. Why spend a lot of money if you don't need to? <laughs> For sure. Now, the kind of like the opposite of not spending money and being frugal is like the the Palace of Versailles. So there's actually, I guess, like a replica of the Versailles there in, in Greenwich. Yes, it's it's unfortunately a private home, but you can drive by it and ogle it. It's it's just incredible. I call it the Grey Poupon House. I don't know if you remember that commercial <laughs> yeah, from back yeah. in the day, right? Pardon me. Do you have any Grey Poupon? It's down this street. It's called North Street. There are lovely, lovely homes. And this one, my, my kids think it looks like the White House. But if you look more closely and if you you know what Le Petit Trianon at Versailles, which is Marie Antoinette's palace, that that was built for her as her own palace, in addition to the general palace of Versailles. So it, it is a replica of Le Petit Trianon. It's called Le Petit Trianon de or Northway because it's on North Street. And it is just absolutely spectacular. I have not been inside. I've just only seen pictures of it from the inside. And yes, it's it was built in 1911 for a private homeowner who really liked the, the Petit Trianon and wanted her own home to look like that and had enough money to do it. She hired architects who were trained at L'École de Beaux-Arts. They were American, but they were trained in Paris. And they she got permission, and it was a woman. Her name was Laura Robinson. She got permission from the government of France to build a replica of the Petit Trinon. So that's one of the the secrets that that's that's in my book. <laughs> what a fascinating story! I mean, and uh, yeah, I I love your book. Uh, there's so many different tidbits in there and everything else like that for for all of Connecticut, actually. So uh, it's really cool. So I know we we talked about earlier also that it that 
Greenwich is very close to New York. So there, there are some influences between New York and, and Greenwich. And I guess one of them is the, the person who designed the Brooklyn Bridge actually designed a bridge there in, in Greenwich as well. Yes. And so I, I did original research on this because my father-in-law had a boat and I've gone in from Greenwich Harbor and looking at, at the, the town from the water. It's just so lovely to see the, these stately mansions with their lawns rolling down to the water and their greenhouses and their private beaches and, and all of that. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful site. And one of these homes, my father-in-law would point out and say, that's the Brooklyn Bridge. And I would say to myself, that's not the Brooklyn Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge is in Brooklyn. Though when I was writing this book, you know, Secret Connecticut, that's a secret. So what? what's the relationship? What's the real relationship? And there was so much misinformation about it. So the Greenwich Historical Society didn't know. The Greenwich Librarian at the Greenwich Library didn't know. And on and on and on. The realtor who sold the place had some information about an architectural digest story, but that information was actually wrong. And I couldn't find it out. And then finally, I found the right source. So there is a Roebling Museum in Roebling, New Jersey. And the chair of the board is a Roebling descendant. And she gave me the information right from the horse's mouth. So this bridge is not a car bridge. It's a pedestrian bridge. And it is built to go from the man who who first built his house at the turn of the last century he was a yachtsman, so he needed a bridge to appear to get to his yacht from his house. So it's a pedestrian bridge, and it was built by the Roebling Company 20 years after the Brooklyn Bridge was built. He had enough money to do that, to have a landmark feature like that, and um, a lot of people traveled at that time by water. So people would come up from Manhattan and commute that way or just come for a party and it was a very lovely way to enter Greenwich from the water. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I mean, it's it's remarkable the kind of money that you would have. Oh, you know what? I'm going to build a bridge from the, the same guy that built the Brooklyn Bridge, like, just so exactly. that way I can go, go to my yacht. You know, that's exactly. <laughs> this is the kind of money we're talking about. <laughs> that is that is mind boggling. One of the other things that that I wanted to point out as far as Greenwich from like the, the, the research that you kind of shared is that we talked about some of these museums and some of the art art houses and everything else, but apparently Greenwich was also the first American impressionist art colony. Is that correct? Yes. So in 1848, the train, the railroad came to Greenwich and that created much more mo- mobility. So there were artist communities in New York city at the national art club and, and other places and they to get away from the city, to get away from, you know, to, to get more fresh air and greenery, you know, how, how people do today when they want to leave a city and forest bathe, as we call it now. It was very easy to get to Greenwich because it was a train ride away and it was bucolic and it was right on the water. There's the Mianus River and there was a boarding house called the the Holly House. It was First, the Bushes owned it, then the Hollies owned it. And it was for artists to come from New York City and live there for some for years, some just seasonally, but some for years and years and years. And you can visit that house today. It's called the the Bush Holly House, and it's part of the Greenwich Historical Society. And they also, the Greenwich Historical Society also has a new museum. It's about two years old now, where you can see the art on display that from the people who who were painting at that time in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Wow, that is fascinating. 
Well, I, I could probably sit here and talk <laughs> all afternoon about uh, about the, your book and about all the different fun things that they do there in Greenwich, but I don't want to miss out on talking about some of the food. What are some <laughs> of your favorite spots when we're there? Because obviously we got to eat while we're there exploring all this stuff. So what are some of your favorite spots? I really like the Elm Street Oyster House, which is right off Greenwich Avenue. It's Greenwich Avenue is, is the, the main shopping street, and there are lots of shops and restaurants and cafes and patisseries. There are some French patisseries, which are very lovely as well. And the Elm Street Oyster House is small. And as the name would imply, I love oysters there. So I, I like the, the fried oysters. I like the, the fresh oysters with a glass of Sancerre. To me, there's nothing better. Wow. That, that's amazing. I guess there's a couple other places that are, that are really good as far as like uh, some good pasta or like some really good French food. So on, on Greenwich Avenue also, it's this place that's been around for 20 plus years. It's called Pasta Vera and it's Italian and they have everything from, from pastas to um, really well cooked like asabuco, risottos. I've never been disappointed by a meal there and, it, and it's not super fancy. So that means it's not super expensive. Where on the other hand, that French place, Thomas Henkelman, is a Relais and Chateau restaurant, and it is very pricey, and it is exquisite. The food is just so incredibly good, and it's it's mostly French, so really well-cooked meats, really wonderful, rich sauces. Soups are fantastic. Uh, you know, I have a memorable tomato soup in my mind. It sounds boring, but when tomato soup is executed as perfectly as that, it, it sticks in your brain. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's one of those things that I wouldn't go there all the time, but just for like a special occasion or something like that, or like a nice like date night or something, that that sounds like a perfect spot. Yes. Well, Sasha, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Greenwich. I've learned a lot and I can't wait to come visit. But now it's time for the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal when they visited, where should they go and what should they eat? I would say definitely go to Thomas Henkelman. It's not in downtown. You'd have to take a ride share or, uh, or a taxi or drive, but it's not too far. It's fewer than, than 10 minutes of a drive. And it's just a very bucolic, elegant setting. It's in a historic home. The food is just, and the service is just the best. What would you recommend somebody order there? If you like fish, I think that's a great place to have fish. I, I like shellfish, but not fin fish. So I would pick like a roasted meat, like coco vin or an asobuco or something like that okay nice now like you said you've kind of lived in the greenwich area for majority of your life you, i'm sure you have some great memories what's one of your favorites i think it's a very special thing that greenwich has what's called the greenwich town party once a year normally it's around memorial day where it's a music concert and also local food vendors come and have stalls and I have seen Paul Simon, the Eagles, Eric Clapton, James Taylor. They all come right into my backyard in Greenwich, Connecticut. I don't have to go to Madison Square Garden to see them. It's a very wonderful event. And I, I would say a highlight is, is standing listening to some, some of my most favorite music and with the artists right in front of me, right in my backyard. That sounds incredible. Now, uh, speaking of good memories and, and happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in Greenwich? There's a, a hotel called the Delamar right in downtown Greenwich. It's on the water. And there's a restaurant there called Lascal. And on a summer, sunny summer afternoon, 
you can sit and again with the Sancerre, I know I'm, I'm replaying that. It's my favorite wine. So that's what I have <laughs> all the time. Nice chilled Sancerre, some oysters, yeah, an appetizer, and just watch the boats come in and out and do the people watching. And it's, it's a very chill, fun place to be. Uh, sounds like a perfect way to spend the afternoon. Now, whenever I travel, I always check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Greenwich? I love Pizza Post. It's on East Putnam Avenue, which is also called Route One. And it's been around for ever since my childhood and it's decades and decades. To me, it's the, the best pizza in town. Right on. I mean, definitely gonna have to check that one out. Now, I know that you have been writing about travel for, for a long time and you, you're a freelance writer, just kind of like me. And I'm sure with all your travels, you've, you've uh, amassed a bunch of different travel tips. Uh, what's one of your best? Well, if we're talking about Greenwich, my, my best tip is to get a beach pass because, as I mentioned before there, the, the beaches are private. You either have to show your Greenwich residency card or you can go to the old Greenwich Civic Center and get a beach pass, a day beach pass, which allows you to, to access one of our wonderful beaches. So I think that's a really great tip that people wouldn't necessarily know how to do. Yeah, the, the last thing you want to do is you know, be all dressed up and ready to go to the beach and then you walk in there and sorry, the gate's closed and you're not allowed in there. And you're like, well, how do I get it? And nobody wants to tell you. So right. uh, <laughs> that's a, definitely a good tip. Again, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing all those amazing tips. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and then uh, tell us a little bit about your book as well? Sure. I'm, I'm a freelance travel writer. Before that, I was on staff and I was as an editor at Condé Nast Traveler magazine at Fodor's Travel Guides. At NYC and Company, I was in charge of New York City's tourism information for a bunch of years, and I was also managing editor of Travel Agent Magazine. And when I had my, my children, I, I went freelance. So I write for Time Out, for Frommers, for Fodors, and for, for travel clients as well. So that's what I do. Right on. And then uh, obviously you wrote the book, uh, Secret Connecticut. Yes. So when we were faced with the pandemic, I thought, okay, now what? And I belong to a group called the Society of American Travel Writers, where I learned about a, a press called Reedy Press. And they were talking about if you have local knowledge, use it to write now because we can't travel that far, if at all. So how about writing a secret Connecticut book. And I thought, wow, we have a lot of secrets in Connecticut. This, you know, the state's been around for hundreds of years. So I thought, great, this is a wonderful project. And, and it was so interesting to research. I researched it for two months, wrote it for two months, and um, it's now in its second printing. And I'm, I do a lot of speaking engagements about the what I learned. There are 84 stories in the book that range from before the state was even founded to today. And one of the today stories is that Connecticut employs a state troubadour. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And she's actually a Trober Ritz because a Trober Ritz is the female version of troubadour. So these are some of the things that I learned. That is so cool. Plus, like... You know, I think it's one of those things, you know, we always talk about traveling like a local here with the, with the podcast and everything. And having a book like yours or some of the other Reedy Press authors we've interviewed allows you to, to get some of that more deeper knowledge of the places you're traveling to. That way you can enjoy it that much more. Absolutely. I always try whenever I travel to learn about the history of a place and or the architect or, or what something about where I'm going, because it does enrich the experience. 
Absolutely. Well, Stasha, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you. What an awesome conversation with Stasha. I hear that Connecticut is so pretty during the fall and I can't wait to visit someday. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Greenwich. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Whidbey Island in Washington State to speak with my good friend Victoria Green of toursadventures.com. In this episode, Tori and I talk about exploring Fort Casey State Park, whale watching in Puget Sound, and hiking at Price Sculpture Forest. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Bye.